This is a post-Christian podcast. We are the sacred collective. All are respected, all are heard, and all are welcomed. Join us. Hi, Brian. Hello, Zo. How are you? Um, I'm okay. I'm okay. That's good to hear. Yeah. How was your Sunday, Zo? Uh, a sleepy Sunday. Sleepy Sunday. Um, went to church, spent some time with family, watching a movie. Did you go to a physical church? Uh, no, I did not. I uh, I uh, joined an online congregation this morning. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's called Revolution. Not um, interested in hearing about that, but uh, all right. I will tell you nothing. Let's stick with the the pre-interview questions that were cleared by our producers. Please don't. Uh... <laughs> no, I think I was at that same service this morning. <laughs> yes, yeah, years. y'all were both there. Um, yeah. Let's let's give this a, an official introduction because this is a show that kind of has a format. This is the welcome to the Sacred Collective. Uh, my name is Caleb. I'm here with co-host Brian Odland. Hi, Brian. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. You look a little sleepy, huh? A little bit. A little sleepy. And we all, we also have uh, a, a, a person who I would consider one of my closest friends, honestly. I say mm. both of these people, Brian and Zoe, mm. are my top, I'd say, ten people I can turn to uh, if I need to talk to somebody. Probably, I mean, it, it, for calling somebody, if I, if, I, if I need a friend, probably top five. Um, you folks have my back, and I appreciate that, and I'm really glad to have you on Sacred Collective, Zoe. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Caleb. Yeah, and you have you. you have quite a history. You have quite a, st- <laughs> a storied past um, with religion, with Christianity, with yeah. um, with a, a, a cult, mm-hmm. and. Um, mm. And to, to a certain extent, I'm sure that Brian and myself and a lot of our listeners are familiar with some of the manipulation tactics that are implemented by um, organizations like that. But I, but from what I've understood from the stories that you've told me, you were in a very, very extreme version of that um, that I, I couldn't presume to, you know, to be able to weigh in on, uh, especially because you were a pastor in the tradition. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was. Are you comfortable just talking about that? The, sure. the deliverance, yeah. the deliverance cult. Yeah, um, yeah, that's I can do that. Okay. Um, thanks, uh, thanks for asking me on, Caleb and Brian. Yes. Good to meet a friend of Caleb's. Um, yeah, I. Uh, it is a matter of degrees. Um, I mean, and. Uh, uh, I mean, in, on one hand, trauma is trauma. Yeah. Um, but on another hand, I mean, it's also <laughs> not uncommon for those of us who have experienced religious trauma to think of all the folks who have it worse. Yeah. And um, so uh, I think um, the easiest way for me to kind of give an example of where we're, we were at uh, in the 80s 
from the perspective of me as a child um, in Victory Churches International. Um, Victory Churches International being given the name upon planting its second church. Um, so it, it was uh, one church in Lethbridge, Alberta. Okay. And um, that's, uh, that's a province in, in Canada mm-hmm. where I now am, now live in Edmonton, capital city, mm. um, a little further north. And I'm sorry, were you raised in this specific Victory Church? Were you like born I, into it? I uh, ended up there. I ended up there when I was eight years old. Okay. Um, started in Vancouver. My parents were radically saved mm. in the Jesus, Jesus people movement. movement. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah. That went all up and down the West Coast. Um, People around our age, I feel like it's such mm-hmm. a common story that I hear that their parents were born again in the Jesus movement is usually the language that's used, you know? And that's yeah. when they became born again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, um, for those who are not familiar with it, who maybe have like heard people like us talk around it, um, this was uh, this was a movement along the West Coast, Canada, and the United States, and possibly into Mexico. I'm not really sure, um, but uh, but definitely a lot in California and Oregon, and and in Europe. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, it was worldwide to a in, in a to a certain degree, um, but uh, but yeah, there was you know there was the flavor of the West Coast Jesus people, and uh, for a lot of the hippies that got saved at that time who were of course our boomers now um this was their uh this was a a conversion moment for them so i i'm like second generation of that movement like you caleb Mm. possibly like you brian you have a similar similar parental story um with my parents grew up in the church my dad was lutheran um but more the conservative kind. Um, I don't know. There's so many different Lutheran branches. But then my mom grew up as some as a god. So um, I have that connection with with Jay. Is I found out about Jay and his family a long, long time ago because my grandparents supported um, his family's ministry and stuff. And so the Baker name has been uh, familiar in our household. But um, yeah, I just grew up in these some as a god. Went Baptist and kind of deconstruct and deconstructed was disillusioned then went to mainline christianity and found a lot of the same <laughs> yeah so, so now i'm here how long were you how long were you there in mainline yeah i mean i still go i mean my longer story short i was going towards um ordination in my denomination which i will not say um right now just try to keep it somewhat anonymous even though i've said it a lot um, on the mm. podcast, but I was in the tradition, or I, I mean, we still go, we're still members at our church, but I've kind of backed out of doing more of that stuff. Um, just, I I was there for eight years. We've, you know, we've been members eight years. I was in the ordination process for six years. And then I just, I just feel like, you know, kind of like bless their heart kind of mentality is like they want, the denomination wants like new and different ways to do church. But they're so stuck in their ways of always doing church this certain way that they just don't understand um, understand it. And I've told them about 
revolution and Jay and stuff. And it's, they're just like, oh my gosh, like people are doing this. Like, you know, almost, and it's just like, dude, you know, understanding that they're so far behind in the times is just mm -hmm. so frustrating. Um, and I, you know, I tell people I get more community by doing revolution, people who are part of sacred collective and others than I do in the kind of quote unquote four walls of a church. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm finding most of my community online, uh, right now more than, more than in church. Um, and uh, a lot of that has been through revolution and that's been really beautiful. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and sort of as I've been willing to put myself out there online, um, and, uh, that's been a journey, but sort of finding people, you know, as we do ex ex fundies and ex Christians and ex cult members and post people that are still, you know, members of churches who, uh, you know, are curious about somebody who was a, you know, was a pastor in a apostolic charismatic cult and is now out and queer and, and, um, happily non-binary and um and not a believer anymore so it's uh it's beautiful to yeah. to to find those communities um have you had have you had many of your friends from the um from the mainline denomination follow you sort of remain friends stay in community with you i mean some somewhat i mean the average age of our denomination, like the average age of a member is 70. Um, and I'm 37. So we're not really close in, in age range. There's actually a dear, dear friend um, of mine who actually listens to a podcast. I'm going to shout out to Renee. Um, she's 74 and she loves what we're doing with Sacred Collective, um, yeah. other things too. So I have, I have community with certain people. Um, you know, certain, like I have, my wife and I have our daughter who's three. And so, you know, we like to do the, the Zoom Sunday school stuff. But for me personally, it's, you know, as people get older and drift away or now, especially with the pandemic and you're not being able to go to church, you know, in a mm -hmm. physical building, it, it's um, so yes and no with community, you know, with people. I have a lot of friends who are pastors in the tradition who I talk to um, and converse with, but it's not like we go out for drinks or whatever. It's just, we'll talk to each other, you know, about life a couple times, you know, a year and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a certain kind of relationship. I, I feel that. I just was talking to my good friend, Scotty, who has been on our podcast but he's a minister um, in Switzerland. And I know I just kind of was telling him, I said, I just feel now I still want to do ministry and however that looks, but I am kind of giving up on institutionalized church or Christianity. Cause I said, I, the control, the you're in the fold or you're not in the fold, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I just can't do it mentally and emotionally anymore. So I'm like, I, and having, you know, having these conversations with Yuzo and Caleb and others, I don't think I would ever find this in the four walls of a church. I'm, hmm. I'm convinced that I wouldn't. So these, like you said earlier, these are beautiful, you know, ways to have 
connection and community that, I mean, I personally would say that you couldn't find, um, quote-unquote, in the church. Hey, Zoe. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. When you were uh, still a Christian and still fully immersed in that world, did you, were you of the mindset or or of the assumption that a loss of belief in God or of certainty in God would lead to uh, moral depravity would lead to, you know, chaos. Like there's no God, there's no rules. It's all, you know, yeah, kind of thing. Well, there, um, my, my, my journey of being fully immersed in belief. I mean, it's, it's uh, in a sense, it's binary. Like I was just one of those people that like, yeah. I, I just believed all the way right up until the moment that I didn't. <laughs> um, I was fully immersed in that, but my, my process of, of that switch happening where it was the on to off right. um, was a lot of different things. So I would say that most of my childhood, I definitely believed that. Yeah. And most of, I mean, all through, you know, my training in ministry um, and um, Bible college and all that. Yeah. That um, I definitely believed those things, but but there was a switch. Uh, mm. There was a switch before the switch in which I, um, around 2000 or so, yeah. where I I looked at the folks around me because I genuinely cared for them and loved them. Yes, right. And, and could could see them and be like, no, these are people who have fulfilling, rich, beautiful lives, right. and I can love them. Yeah. And so, yeah. Do you, do you think that that... Um, that kind of inherited that that inherited narrative that the motivator behind being a Christian, you know, is is getting saved from hell, and um, you know, fearing God, you know, fears the heart of love and all that. Um, do do you think that that was ever your actual motivation for trying to be a good Christian and a good pastor? Because w- what I'm leading up to is that you are one of the <laughs> most loving and selfless. Yeah. Uh, people and and to borrow some Christianese and and please pardon me if I trigger you here. This is the one time I'm going to do this during this conversation. Gonna, is that you? Gosh, you will. Is that no? Is that you? Mini, you minister to me. You um you you tend to my wounds. You you come to me and you ask, what can I do? What can I do to help? Do you need to talk? You respect every boundary. If you if you ever um, you know suspect that maybe there's been miscommunication or something like that, you handle it in, in in just such a way that is just so loving and it's just beautiful to me to see that in a person who has um, you know denounced and rejected and um, you know is is uh, is kind of moved away from the idea of God or the importance of the existence of God or, or, you know, what, however you want to put it. Um, it's just beautiful to me to see atheists in certain terms. I said, I'd only say I'd only use Christianese once, but this may, may count as a second time, but in certain terms doing the work of Christ way more than any, uh, you know, believers as it were. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, thanks. Caleb. So what do you, um, I so so I wonder yeah. I wonder what motivates you though to yeah. to be such a loving and selfless person. Do you, you seem to have a, a genuine capa- like compassion for humanity 
and uh, and to want to advance us, which is kind of almost a, a humanist ethic. Um, yeah. Do you feel like Do you feel like it's just you just have this love in you, kind of, and just it's, that's just how you're built? It's. I think it's a. I think it's a really interesting question. Um, and I think you you asked a couple of things. Um, I'm just going to give it some thought. I don't have a canned answer for you. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and uh, I got to kind of process a little bit of that. I um, um, I hear you, and and you've always been very generous in how you um, how you express your gratitude to me, and uh, I I receive it this time. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, you're a um, yeah, and um, yeah. This is a podcast. I won't. I'm not going to gush back at you, but uh, I love you. Um, I uh, I had an example of Jesus um, before I ever believed in Jesus, um, and I think of that when I think of what would my motivation be. Mm. Um, so there's that and. Did you have a person um, playing that role of Christ to you as your example? I had a person, yeah. I, I had a person in my life. Um, I had a grown-up who uh, was um, the kindest, gentlest, most authentic human um, and still one of, if not the most, <laughs> to this day. And um, my dad was just somebody who lived life as it came and um, had mental illness Mm. and uh, just for his entire life constantly sought to love better. And that was his only, that was his greatest craft. That was the thing. That was his. That was his craft. That was what he spent his energy on. His um his own health and recovery um from a lot of stuff and um and living with mental illness. And then beyond just being the survivor that he was, how can he best love? And I think that that was very apparent to anyone who knew him, and it was certainly apparent to me as a kid. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, uh, an incredibly authentic person. Um, he, uh, came out as gay when I was 14. He, uh, spent the nineties, um, caring for, uh, AIDS patients, wow. uh, in Vancouver. And if you know anything about the HIV AIDS crisis in the nineties, um, that's quite a, quite a thing to be doing in Vancouver in the nineties. And that was his life. He, I mean, volunteer. Um, he, he rarely in his life had, uh, had work that made money, um, lived on, uh, lived on very little assisted income for the severely handicapped and, uh, just gave his life to the people in his life. And I think that was my example. Um, I think that's the best answer that I can give you, Caleb. I don't, I don't know if I've ever shared that with you before. That's beautiful. Thank you. No, you haven't. Yeah. Thank you for being Um, so vulnerable and and open about that. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for asking. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, my dad introduced me to Jesus. And when my dad 
described to me who Jesus was, I saw someone who was like, well, if this person is my dad's hero, then, you know, I want him to. Jesus was always very beautiful to me. Mm. It wasn't until later when uh, my mom uh, left my dad and um, because it is very difficult to live with somebody with mental illness. And uh, my mom had a certain idea of the kind of life she wanted to live and the kind of... um, yeah, the kind of family she wanted to have and, you know, the kind of complications that living with somebody with a disability has was not part of what she wanted for her life. Mm. So so we moved to southern Alberta and, and joined that cult. Um, and uh, the cult, just to sort of, um, I just wanted to kind of widen the name above cult um, just to give people an idea because, I mean, that can mean so many different things. Yeah. I have a friend who is, I have, <laughs> I had a birthday party recently and was introducing my friends to one another and realized that all but one of them were post cult, but all different ones. <laughs> oh, and really? one of them was from the, yeah, and one of them was from the church of Scientology. Oh. I mean, like, I mean, we just come from like everywhere, but, uh, I, yeah, these are my people. It seems, um, a lot of the time anyway, uh, um, so it can mean a lot of different things. So in, in at Victory, uh, I think the best way to understand it is if you can understand what televangelism was like in the 1980s in the United States, uh, which it sounds like, Brian, you definitely can, and Caleb, yeah. I know you can. <laughs> um, that was the church. And the reason I can say that with such confidence is Canada couldn't have single um, single... Uh, religion broadcasting it was illegal our um, CRTC who uh, governs the radio and television um, made it illegal for anyone to have a channel a dedicated channel that was only one religion Mm. so religious discourse uh, was encouraged um, but it's all multicultural multi-religious there were religious channels but they were religious channels that would be every religion you could think of would have a block of time. Mm. Um, so yeah. Um, so we, we pirated American, uh, televangelism in the 1980s. Our church bought a big piece of land and a satellite receiver (laughs) and uh, got some TBN Uh and, uh, uh uh-huh and pirated it illegally and then broadcast it illegally, by a UHF signal all over our small little rural uh, southern Alberta town. Oh my uh, yeah, and then uh, started seeing you know signs and miracles around the town and demons coming out of people on the street. And uh, you can read all about the happenings in uh, George and Hazel Hill's book. Right, <laughs> I'm doing a plug for my former <laughs> former cults. Uh, prophet and apostles book adventure <laughs> romance and revival so anyway i'm only <laughs> i'm only uh, mentioning that because uh i could continue to tell stories but it, it it would probably sound like i was exaggerating um but lo and behold uh they're not hiding it i'm not spilling any beans it's they wrote it in their own history so you can look it up um yeah so that that became my normal uh when we moved there was you know demons manifesting in the sunday services and like people coming and talking about you know i went down the street and like laid hands on people and saw them healed Mm -hmm. this afternoon 
a mm-hmm. real like and if you, i mean and uh, this this isn't this isn't even going to be news to some folks in the United States um, who live near the kinds of places that still exist today, like IHOP. Um, yeah. Oh, if, like IHOP. If, if someone is listening from Kansas City right now, they might be like, oh, I get it. You were one of those churches right. <laughs> going out going out in groups and uh, trying to cast demons out of people and yeah. heal them out of their wheelchairs. That was us. In the 1980s, in Canada, <laughs> and wow. uh, yeah, basically we we cosplayed um, what was being broadcast on TBN. Mm. Ah, <laughs> name, his name escapes me right now. I think his name is Bob. Um, ah, shit, the guy who casts demon out, demons out of people. Anyway, all those folks, all the all the folks at the time, and I started in 1988, so. Um, I, I arrived just as everything was exploding, mm. which I talked about on a different podcast. I don't think is as interesting right now, but if you have an understanding of that world, um, just imagine a bunch of Canadians cosplaying that. That's what it looked like. <laughs> wow. I re- I remember, uh, so I don't know if you've ever heard, um, in the Pentecostal tradition, there was a thing called the Pensacola revival. Yeah. Uh, and I went to that. I mean, I grew up in, I uh, don't crap, when was that? I think I started in like 95. And so yeah. we went, I went when I was in like seventh grade. And my wife, she was raised um, in the state next to us in South Dakota. But her, she went with a youth group um, down there. And then her family wanted to go there. So her family drove from central South Dakota to Florida, which was probably at least a good 26, 27 hour drive. But I remember, like, I used to be so into that when I was a kid and, like, you know, a teenager of being like, oh, it's so cool, like, all these signs and miracles and wonders and da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, I was convinced that I saw, like, demons getting casted out of people and, you know, people, like, barking like dogs on the ground. And my wife and I were just coming back from a trip a couple weeks ago, and I don't know why, but I we were staying over at my mother-in-law's and she had the old Carmen CD. If anybody know, remember Car- oh, yeah. Carmen? Oh, yeah. Which one? Uh, Addicted to Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, okay, okay. Will you, will, you, will you do it with me after you tell me the story? Yes. Well, How much of it do you remember? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there, bits and pieces. Like, my favorite is uh, Satan Bite the Dust. It's so okay, ridiculous. Awesome. No, okay. but like... Tell the story, then let's see if we can do some... Uh, Carmen. Yeah, let's do it. No, and like I was just talking to her, like we were listening to it was some some one of these songs on there was about like you know spiritual gifts and like casting out of demons and stuff. And I looked over at my wife and I said, Amanda, do you did you like how do you feel about this now? Like we're definitely not that, but at the time we were so like enveloped in it and loved it. And she was like. Yeah, I don't really think it was true. I don't think all this kind of stuff. And then you, you just think all these years later, like, was I just lied to? Was that just like a mind fuck? Was that just whatever it was? And I was just actually talking to one of my, um, somebody who lives in the same building here as us in our apartment, who we're pretty close with. And I was like, I really don't think I believe really in anything supernatural. Not like I believe in God, but I don't think like miracles and all that shit really happens. And I was like, it's so weird for me to say because 20 years ago, you know, 
I was living that and thought it was, I don't know, the most intense and awesome thing. And to walk away from that is a huge thing, you know, difficult, but also just like to walk away from it and be like, this is a bunch of, bunch of shit. (laughs) It's not easy to do. No, it's not. Was it, was there a, was there a switch for you or was it like a gradual realization of your own non-belief? I think I've, and I, in my family, if you'd ever talked to my family, they're like, Brian was always the more like, so if someone was like, well, you just got to believe it. I would be like, Mike, instead of saying, okay, I would be like, but why do I have to believe it? Why is it important for me? Why yeah. is it, you know, and Caleb can attest to that. Like, that's just how my mind works. And after a while, I mean, I got kicked out of my own youth group because we were having like a, the, the sex talk. We always had the sex talk in February. And some yeah. kid, and some kid, you know, was saying that like, oh, masturbation, you know, is it wrong or whatever? And the youth pastor was like, well, yeah, it is. And I, and I straight up looked at the youth pastor and I said, no, masturbation isn't wrong. It's a normal, vital and an important way to understand, you know, your body. And, and I was like asked not to come back, but I think how how old were you? I think uh, I was in tenth grade, so like fifteen. You've been masturbating without shame since tenth grade. <laughs> yeah, probably before that. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, I, I only I only came to that in like the last, let's say, handful of years. What a what a mind fuck the whole culture is, eh? Right. Well, yeah. Well, purity culture, all that stuff, and I mean that's why this, it's so crazy that that well, why there's so many podcasts or Instagram accounts of people who you know ex evangelicals are talking about purity culture, and I mean I tell like my mainline friends, and they're like, "Was that a thing? Is that really huge?" I said, "There's thousands, if not millions, of us who had to deal with that shit, you know, that trauma that." whatever you want to call it, that, you know, we were told we were terrible for doing that or, you know, if we were queer or if we, whatever, whatever we are, you know, people would be like, oh, that was terrible. How, like, how could you go through that? And I don't know. We could talk three hours about (laughs) all this stuff, but. So you, you always were somebody who questioned and were willing to like, to, willing, willing to live with uh, so, somewhat outside of what the uh, the story was that was being told for you. Oh yeah, I've always I've always questioned the uh, all the things. You know, I even as a little kid, I remember my parents said um, when I was a little kid, like we, I would go to the service, like we as good Pentecostals would go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights, and all the time I would, we had these like little prayer cards with pencils that you could write on. And I was probably like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12. And my, you know, my parents were like, are you just doodling or whatever? And I was like, I would write questions of where, you know, the pastor said to love your neighbor. Where's the homeless person? Where's my gay friend? Where's, you know, black people? Because our church isn't doing this. And my parents were like, you were 10. Why did you have, you know, and I was like, that's just how my brain worked. I, I just, if I see bullshit, I'm going to call bullshit out. And that gets you in trouble <laughs> in the church when you, when you start talking like that. But it's, it was something that I had to do. And I've always just questioned. And that's probably why I've always been in trouble when I get into church, because I kind of 
flip the narrative, not flip the narrative, but push like the control push. Like I have to believe this or you can't believe this or you can believe this. It's just like, to me that those conversations aren't really important anymore. Mm -hmm. And you've never, you've never fully, I don't think to, to the best of my awareness, um, that uh you've ever like fully walked away from god you've you know said fuck you god and been mad at god and and had you know but it's just it's just so cool to me that like that god has always been like so real to you and yet you know you're 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 very comfortable with doubting and questioning and just expressing your truths and not just cool. you know taking taking the status quo type thing cuz as far as i'm aware you've never been through a a period of of atheism that i'm that i'm aware of um, Are you talking to me? I'm talking to you. Yeah, I'm, ta- I'm talking to you, Brian. Yeah, I I've always said that I'm I've Jesus has never hurt me. It's just people have hurt me and people who represent Jesus. And and I've wow. said on the podcast before too, where like I I'm an atheist in some ways because I a small a, not a capital a, because I've I've rejected a certain certain forms of jesus certain forms of christianity that have become toxic to me and Mm -hmm. that i think are wrong and just should be thrown to the sun but for me in my brain and in my heart i can't i can't say i'm an atheist and a capital a because i my brain and my mind can't go there and to me i'm like to me i love the teachings of jesus and And the gospel, and like I, I try to live that. I try to teach that to my daughter, to yeah. friends around me. Where I'm like, it's not church that you go to, or if you do, oh, hail Marys. It's taking the teachings of Jesus and emulate, and you know, mimicking that. I said that's what I think Jesus, and, and I and I always tell people Jesus did not come to create a religion. Jesus came as like a philosophy, as a thought process. And and that's what I love about, you know, Jesus, um, yeah. whoever Jesus is. But you know, I haven't walked away from the faith. I just I think I have more of a problem with church than I do with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually I have told Jesus to fuck off a lot of times because yeah. that's, that's a, that's it's a so form different. of lament. I mean, to yeah. me, that's biblical. That's no different than a lot of the a lot of the Psalms. There's no, oh, yeah. there's nothing wrong with saying fuck off. There's nothing, there's nothing uh, inconsistent um, with, outside. yeah, yeah, with the scriptural approach to wrestling with God a bit. Yeah, with sweeping the leg. This yeah. is getting heavy. I like no, it's, it. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> I like it too. I like it too. Thanks for thanks for going there, Brian. Oh no problem. Appreciate yeah, that. I, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I I really love when we have these episodes where Brian and I get to kind of co-host an interview or a conversation really um Beautiful. because you're interviewing us just as much as we are you so yeah but, I love it. which is great you got well the, i'm just meeting brian and you're telling me that he's one of your closest friends so i'm interested I'm yeah like, hey, yeah yeah this is <laughs> this Absolutely. is this is someone who loves someone i love so you're right yeah and it's, it's just but I, I i was just thinking though it's just it's just and we've talked about this before on sacred collective but i think with neil cedric's episode most recently but it's just so beautiful that we can be like so kindred and so close and such good friends and have very very different philosophies you know mm-hmm. and be a different 
places. And, and that, of course, that goes for you as well, though. You know, the, we have. Yeah, I don't think you and I agree on all things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that seems that seems to be uh, seems to be okay so far. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's I, um, I mean, and that's that's a commitment that I make to to folks that I consider friends. But it's uh, it's no longer an expectation that I have um, because uh, I've seen I've seen too many folks disappear. So mm. now I I guess I I enter friendships and say there's this period of time where I'm going to be in this person's life and they're going to be in mine and we're going to do the best at that as we're going to do as long as it lasts and mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah take. Take friendships as they come, but take them all as take them all seriously enough to 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 love. You know. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I look at friendships the same way. Um, as I think that was beautiful. So. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I um I I hear you about loving Jesus, Brian. I um I haven't stopped doing that either. Um, and I. I think it's beautiful to meet beautiful people who continue to believe. Um, I have some folks that are in my life that are beautiful people that continue to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> in fact, uh, maybe we can go here later. Uh, maybe after we've done some some uh, some Carmen or some DC talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, one of one of those beautiful people is actually the current pastor of the church that I grew up in. And um, he is in touch with me and remains in touch with me on purpose. Um, and that kind of blows my mind. I have this relationship with him outside of like VCI, which I've pretty much disconnected from. Um, but uh, this one guy, though, Basically, the the victory way is to shun those who have left. Um, very, that's not uncommon or going to be surprising to hear. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this one guy that uh, continues to be this believer and he continues to to talk to me. And I mean, he's much further in it than you are, Brian. And um, I don't think I don't think that that even though it feels like a binary for me, um, I don't feel like that line is one where, where friendship stops for me at all. Um, even though it does seem as though I have fewer and fewer believers in my life. It's, a, it's beautiful to see. Yeah. I, um, I, I feel like I can't believe anymore, Brian. That's where I'm at. Um, I, I, felt, I felt a grief for my mm. belief. Um, I wanted it back actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess wanted to believe that somehow I had been deceived into <laughs> no longer believing or something, you know? Uh, and I just, I, it wasn't there. I couldn't even grasp it. Um, like even, uh, I remember as soon, as soon as I felt it, what I did is I, uh, turned on some John Piper preaching the gospel to me (laughs) and I got in my car and I drove for about an hour and a half uh, up and down these like rural back roads and uh, would occasionally turn off John Piper to just like pray in tongues as loud as I possibly could. 
as I'm driving through goodness, the cow goodness. fields. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, and and it was just gone. Like, and and I was just like, "Holy shit!" Like, I'm I'm babbling. Listen to me babble. Fuck. Why have you forsaken gone. me? You know, it's it's gone. And uh, um, yeah, and I grieved it, and I kind of wanted it back. And what I've come to is not belief, um, but um, I guess no longer needing belief to be there um, mm. because the Jesus remained. And mm. I think that's, that's where my, my own story I feel connects with yours is that's, that's what remained for me, the Jesus. <laughs> and I found that even when I'd lost belief um, for a time, there was a lot of anger and I tried very hard to be as atheist as possible and like really, you know, <laughs> really, really hit the hard A there as hard as I could. Yeah. Um, and it was about as useless as when I was hitting the hard C in Calvinism. Um, it, uh, it, it didn't stick very well for me. Um, I just you became a different don't... type of apologist. Yeah. But it didn't... Being a Calvinist apologist to an atheist yeah. apologist. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just... Neither of those, even though I was in both of them for a short time, neither of them really stuck with me. I've just never been that kind of person. The ways that I've been convinced of something have never been so mathematical mm-hmm. as Calvinism or or atheism. Yeah. Uh, but I can't. But I can't pretend that I have belief. It didn't come back. And when, I mean, but but when I was hard atheist, hard a, I was. I was trying to sort of exorcise Jesus from myself the way that I had, you know, experienced exorcisms in the past. And, um, and, uh, yeah, Jesus just wouldn't go away. Um, the, uh, uh, the neural pathways in my mind have been worn so deep (laughs) that you could probably open up my brain and read Jesus just like in the, thick nerves mm. <laughs> uh it uh it just wouldn't wouldn't go away and um, yeah and sometimes i use that language and then i and then i forget it and then and then you will <laughs> and then yeah yeah that so much haunted like um sounds like a photo yeah. Yes, like Caputo. Did Caputo say that? Did we both get it from Caputo? Yeah, uh, probably. Sure. Like, I'm pretty uh, sure we would talk about. Yeah, I like, think maybe he got it from somebody else, but he has said it. Did he get it from Tillich? Uh, he, it wasn't surprising. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Well, it's it's appropriate. Yeah. It's appropriate. I mean, I had trained myself to hear a little. What's that? I don't know. I said it could have been Derrida. Never mind. Yeah, um, I I had trained myself to hear a still small voice, you know, since I joined a cult that told me that I could hear voices. Yeah. Right? Um, and, like, I became Jesus' friend in my brain. And mm-hmm. so uh, there was Jesus. And, um, but the thing is that I, you know, I, I'm just gonna. I, I think Brian said this. This is this. I. It, it just kind of it fell into me just right there, Brian, when you said, 
Jesus didn't hurt me. The church did. I just, it, it, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's great language for it. Um, and, and here's the thing. I, I don't believe in Jesus. You can even hear it in the way I'm talking about the neural pathways and the, you know, <laughs> making myself, I don't, I don't, but I don't have to. And that's the thing that's changed for me is I don't, I feel like I've lost the need for belief. It's not important to me, um, which is also why, like, I think it's a beautiful thing when someone does believe. I think it's fascinating. And I, I kind of want to like, just would love to hear you say after I've stopped monologuing, um, like, how is that for you? <laughs> Tell me about belief. Um, so I, before, before yeah. Brian does that, I have a question for you that actually kind of will, might influence how Brian answers because the way that you use this word belief is really, really interesting to me about losing belief. Like, I wonder exactly what that looks like. Like, what are the parameters to that? Like, losing belief in an interventionist God, losing belief in the whole story, the historical story of Christianity and its accuracy, losing belief. Like, is it just, it sounds like an event, like a singularity to you like i i had lost my belief or i you know what is it like to have belief like what is that or i know believers you keep you use this language and i'm just really curious what exactly that means to you like to be a believer you know like um yeah what uh, yeah yeah what, what can you define that yeah term? yeah it's possible yeah thanks for asking that because like as that as that question causes me to to sort of examine that, I, it, um, I recognize that, uh, Brian, what you've described of what it was like for you, um, you may never have had what I call belief, or maybe you have, I don't know. I, I was, though my beliefs changed, um, my theology changed, but theology for me wasn't just philosophy to be thought about. It was what the, the thing I believe right now. Um, the thing that is more true than what I can see, feel, hear, taste, smell, um, more true than that. And that theology, that, that worldview, um, the certainty that the world really did include an actual literal flood and, um, et cetera, et cetera. All so the way down all the line. of that, all of that and all of that entails was fully real to you and you saw it and you smelled it and you tasted it and it colored, it colored, you know, everything that you saw. And then all of a sudden it was ripped away. Well, and that's the thing is it changed, right? Like there were times like the moment the the season that I was in and because I, I, the way, the way that I imagine it changing, because I'm, I've, I've had to process a lot of this since um, the way I've imagined it changing is, is basically I kept on making movements closer and closer to health and to love and to justice. Okay. That was just the direction I moved. Mm-hmm. And um, that direction <laughs> doesn't mean that I was like an incredibly just loving, healthy person, but that's what I was seeking. <laughs> And, and I, I can see that movement. And as I moved that direction, there are certain things that you just have to stop believing. You can't, mm. I like, I couldn't continue to believe 
in a literal hell with eternal conscious torment. Right. And truly, actually have a, a, a relationship of mutuality with someone who didn't share that belief. Right. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, and so I had to lose that belief and it had to evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, and so be, because I was moving that direction um, and I don't want to paint a rosy picture of me here. I was complicit in um, an <laughs> apostolic charismatic evangelical cult that preached anti-gay theology and did exorcisms on gay people. Um, uh, I, uh, so, I mean, like, I, this doesn't mean that's who I was. That's what I was doing, but I was doing my best. And but you were Saul back then. Not yet. I was Paul. what you were. You were Saul and not yet Paul. <laughs> my deacon, my Damascus road experience, yeah. praying, praying in tongues, praying in tongues at the top of my lungs, listening to John Piper, who probably wouldn't have liked that very much. Right. Um, <laughs> that is a funny um, image. Crank up the Piper. This is, shit's going down. I'm losing belief. Uh, How are we going to save this sinking ship of my belief? Crank up the Piper tunes and yell some gibberish. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that gives you a little bit of a a glimpse into my private life at the time, right? It gives me a glimpse uh, into your commitment to things. Oh, I was. I was. Well, and you are yet still so committed to loving and and being a friend with a capital f being as a position being a friend to people and and hosting and encouraging important conversations and 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 doing important work and stuff like that so take that i'm gonna i'm gonna push back on that a little bit okay okay um as i've as i've grown in my in my own health and my learning how to love Uh i I've kind of lost all the capital F's and the the capital P's for pastor and all that stuff. I, um, I don't, I don't want to be anyone's savior anymore. Right. 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 And that's, that was one of the biggest things that I had to lose. And and I don't know. I, I guess that's another question I could ask you guys. Is that, is that familiar for you guys? I, I was a white savior. I was a, you know, I mean, basically I saw, <laughs> um, yeah, like I thought my role in the world was to, you know, bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. Nation. Yeah. And I, I mean, uh, some folks in my life at the time would say that I was one of the good ones, but I mean, Honestly, when you're talking about that kind of white savior bullshit, one of the good ones isn't exactly a high bar, right? You know, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, right. I mean, like I, I had some pretty fundamentally horrible beliefs about some of the people around me, and and like who I was to them. It's embarrassing mm. uh, sometimes to think of, and um, and that is a tendency that I have to fight every single day of my life okay. in the same way as I've chosen to, um, I, I guess take the path of dismantling my 
toxic masculinity that I was socialized in or um, actively being anti-racist, um, just like a choice that I have to make. Um, Cause that's, that's probably one of my biggest demons is that, that um, white savior mentality, you mm-hmm. know? And so when I'm friends with somebody, um, I, I don't, I hope to not ever seek to become that, yeah. that person they need, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, I don't want to be needed. Right. And, uh, I, I just, I just, it's like, Hey, yeah. you know, we're, <laughs> we're doing life and my life and your life happens to have crossed paths right now. Yeah. And, um, so, Hey, like, I don't know, campfire rules. Let's leave one another better off than we found each other, you know? Right. Um, Good. Good. Right. And Um, you're, you're hypersensitive and aware of that. And so if, you know, so long as it is still triggering to the extent that it is, it's definitely not worth doing and um, stepping back from anything that resembles a leadership or mentorship type role sounds like the wise choice from what you've just expressed for sure. Um, And I'll also I'll also say that um, I don't, I don't, I, th- I don't think that you uh, have to. I don't think that one has to be in that um, messianic kind of complex mindset uh, in order to be a um, I don't know a, 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 a clergy person. I suppose like a big a, a big element of my interest and my passion in being a clergy person maybe is actually related to a messianic complex in that now my big mission is to talk to people about like why they're in church and like, do they want to get out of here and, you know, almost like help them off the sinking ship if they want, you know, or question people. Like I want to, you know, question things really hard in people's faces and, um, not to be like a dick about it or anything or be rude about it or anything, but um, to, to break down systems that are stale and build new ones. And of course they'll become stale and need to be broken down one day. But my mission is currently one um, that resembles destruction, at least on some levels, Um, you know, taking down things that, uh, that traumatized me as a child, (laughs) I guess. And I don't believe in an afterlife, so the whole like you know being a savior and saving everybody is is like not even on my radar. So <laughs> yeah, which is handy. It's nice not not have not believing in that. Yeah, I definitely find life easier not believing in an intervention interventionist God. There's certain it's uh it's pretty it's pretty awful trying to trying to hold that cognitive dissonance yeah. for me. There's there's a good interventionist God yeah, that's loving, that's willing this, and also this is what the world looks like. Yes, <laughs> I can't. And also, this was the plan, and this is how it turned out, yeah. and it's perfect. Yeah, exactly. and it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, like and it was good. Going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he but saw. Yeah. Well, on our last episode with Neil, um, who's one of our listeners from Belfast, we were. It was so funny because I never had heard someone talk about this before him. And actually, my wife and I, um, we actually had a quarantine a couple weeks, you know, a couple weeks back because my brother got co- the COVID, as my daughter says. 
And so we got to stay up really late at night, my wife and I just talking about stuff. And so we just, my wife's a little bit more reserved um, about this stuff than I am. And I, w- I was like, did you ever just get, you know, I said, people always talked about, oh, you don't, you know, you need to believe in Jesus, blah, 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 or else you're going to be in eternity in hell, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, did you ever get freaked out about like the eternity and the part in heaven? And she was like, because anyone can say like, oh, we're going to be with Jesus. It's going to be a party. We're going to, it's like never ending. But the way humans' minds are made is they're supposed to be things that end. We all know as humans, we're born, we're going to die. We do stuff in between, you know, whatever. We, we can't comprehend like this thing called eternity. And Neil, who was, you know, he was like, that stuff scared me. He was like, I was just as scared about the, the the potentiality of there being an afterlife, you know, um, in heaven as I was in hell, and I w- and I just was like I I listened back to it the other day and I was like that's so true because that's how I am too. Like, is there an afterlife? I don't know, and I'm not going to get in any kind of conversations to tell someone if they need to believe that. I tell people I'm not. As someone who does still believe in Jesus, I'm not someone who's there for conversion. I'm there for conversation. I'd rather have a conversation like we're doing, getting to know people, whether we agree or not is irrelevant to me, but is kind of like what Jay says, you know, argue, argue well, he says that, or like, argue well, if we disagree, show grace, you know, things like that. I, I just care about stuff like that. And I don't know, I think the older I get as a person, and as someone who's been through seminary, it, it, it makes me realize, like, I don't really know what the hell I believe in about God or Jesus anymore. And I'm actually content with that. I'm just content, you know, being skeptical, being doubtful, not holding anything super tight, but holding it very loosely and kind of living in in the fluidity of it, in the messiness of it. And, you know, I'm way more... Um, I love going to bed and waking up and not feeling that angst of like, is this the day where Jesus is coming back? (laughs) Is this the, you know, is this the day where, I mean, I kid you not, so growing up, I would pray that Jesus would not come and return before I had sex because I wanted to have sex. (laughs) I prayed the same thing. And I remember, and I remember the first time I had sex when I was 17, I was like, okay, God. You can come back anytime you want. And I mean, that was a legitimate prayer. Thanks, God. Thanks for not being a cock block. <laughs> so you didn't think sex was good enough to stick around for? Just good enough to experience once? Well, no, I wanted to stick around. or I wanted to, to have sex many more times. But okay. it was one of those things where it was just like, that was just this ultimate bucket list. Like, Brian yeah. has to get laid before the end of the world, and if I do, then I can go yeah, out. You don't know if there's sex in heaven. The glory. There is in yeah. Mormon heaven, but I don't know about Christian heaven. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is a fabulous conversation, and um, I just think all of us are on just our our paths in life and converging, and we can all agree and disagree and just have a I don't know fruitful conversation. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we've all learned something very important here today. This is great, Brian. This is great. So your your um, belief it sounds it sounds like you're able to to have that belief and I guess live 
in that experience of belief without feeling like you have to, I guess I'm imagining, um, may I, may I, may I give like a word, a word picture (laughs) Um, response? Um, I'm thinking of like, um, like walking through a fog, um, uh, suppose, suppose you're, you've got the fog all around you, but you believe that there's something that you're able to walk towards. You don't necessarily have to know what it is, but you're trying to go that direction. Um, so like the, all those, all those bits and pieces that are exactly, you know, uh, able to be nailed down and written in a theological statement. That's not as important as, you know, there's this God thing that you're kind of moving towards. This is what I, this is what I imagine when you describe your belief. Mm-hmm. Um, is that like, does that resonate with you? No, oh, yeah, it does. I mean, that was, a, that was a good word picture. There's a lot of people who try to take a stab at my beliefs and I'm like, no, that's nowhere near <laughs> what I have. <laughs> but I, I think you, you nailed it pretty well. And, uh, you know, there's times where, you know, I remember in seminary where in class I came out as a universalist. And this was at a conservative Baptist seminary. And people were like, oh, you can't be a Christian and have that. And I was just like, well, that's bullshit. I can believe what I want. And, you know, like there's this, all these theologians that prove, you know, prove that. And now I'm just at the, the point in my life where I'm like, I want to raise my daughter to be kind to people. You know, we, we've all, you know, we've said, my wife and I, like, yeah, we want her to believe in God, but are we going to push it on her? Absolutely not. Um, we're going to tell her to be a nice person, help others who are less for, you know, the whole, this whole, you know, my, uh, I've gotten in, I've gotten in trouble with people because people have said, oh, to be a good person, y- you know, to have good morality, you have to be a Christian. And I'm like, that's a bunch of bullshit. Cause I said, I have so many friends and close people that I, that I love who are not Christians and they're probably some of the most moral and Christian people. Like I have friends who are atheists who I'm like, you're more of a Christian than the most Christians that I see because you're loving, you're caring, you're doing these things that quote unquote Christians are supposed to do, but they don't. Um, but I mean, I think getting back, you know, it was kind of a rabbit trail, but getting back to just kind of like that word picture of the fog yeah i think kind of going i look at it kind of to add on to that like i'm in this ship on the water going through the fog and i know i eventually need to get to shore i want to see that you know lighthouse that lets me go there but if i'm for me in my head and my heart and my mind it's like i want to get to that shore i don't know if i'll ever get to that shore i don't know if that shore is real but i want to be headed towards there because i feel like that that's where my compass is pouring me to. And I've said at the end of it, like, even since I was a kid, I was like, yeah, I want there to be an afterlife. I want there to be a Jesus. But then if I die and I'm in the ground, how am I going to know any different? Right. You know? So it's one of those things where I'm like, I think a lot of Christians want to go to heaven because it's escapism. And I've said that to a lot of people, like you just want to get out of this world free card or get out of hell free card you know, all this stuff. But I said, uh, you know, Caleb, you said you don't believe in an afterlife. I, I'm kind of more using the word agnostic in a way of like, there might be, there might not be. I don't really care. I'm agnostic about it. The, these things don't matter to right. me. 
I might hold to some views, but I don't hold them with such a tight belief where like those beliefs define me. I just I'm like, yeah, I, I believe in God. And if people are like, well, prove to me this way. And I'm like, I, I, I'm not in that business anymore. Right. Of proving this is just a personal view that I have. And maybe next week it's different. Maybe two years from now it is too. Who knows? And yeah, I think that's a good thing to to evolving people in your in a person's own faith or lack of faith or whatever. Totally, absolutely. Worst thing is just to be stagnant. I would argue. So true. Um, I I have become less interested in what people believe, um, and I've become more interested in what um, folks find themselves moving towards in in practice not mm-hmm. action yeah. practice mm-hmm. um uh so i kind of landed on um friend <laughs> that's my practice um mm-hmm. but i uh um i'm curious i i guess um also in anti-racism anti-fascism and um and solidarity um that's that's kind of where my where my practice goes um with individuals and with others but you you talked about your motivation being motivated by jesus um because jesus didn't hurt you the church did Mm. can you can you tell me about what those those practices are for you or how they've changed what do you mean like the practices and like what what um the like the beliefs that you have now or the like the direction that you're moving um what does it how does it manifest itself in your life in practice what do you how does it how does it motivate you um to be i guess who you are what direction are you moving in your practice well i guess the direction i'm moving in is to every day try to love people where they're at and never be judgmental you know sometimes i get not get sometimes i see the negative in people and i don't want to see the negative in people i want to see the beauty in them the the you know show show them grace have grace like i feel that most people have shown me um I want to be, you know, teach my my kid to um, be a loving, beautiful human being in the world. Um, I, and, and do I spritz God in there? Yeah, we pray in our meals. Do I know if that's going to go to a real God or not? No. Um, but I try to every day just to be the better person that I was the day before. If I've, you know, erred and wrong to people i legitimately try to um patch that up um and whether that's you know and to be brutally honest whether it's god quote unquote whatever god or jesus is making me do that or if that's just me as a human being um being cognizant of hey we're all humans on this journey on this planet that we didn't ask to be (laughs) you know didn't ask to be here but we are I don't know. So I don't know if that answered it fully, but, you know, I just try to be a better human being 
every day than I was the day before. Some days are better than others. Um, but yeah, I just want to be people's friends. I, I you know, I want to, I love friendship. I mean, like you, Zoe, like I, I don't want to, I never tell people, you know, I'm, I'm not in the business of conversion or salvation. I'm in the business of friendship. I want to have a conversation with people. I want to tell people my experiences and things in my life where I think I've had this connection to the divine. If another person says that's bullshit, I can respect that. We can disagree. Um, but you know, I'm like you, I want to have the, that friendship with people. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not that savior. I don't, and growing up and one of my degrees is in pastoral studies when my undergrad and just looking at that degree on my wall, I'm like, gives me the heebie jeebies. Cause it's like, I had so much power and things behind it where I'm like now having 15 years ago when I got that degree looking at it now compared to the stuff that I'm doing now and the conversations I'm having now, I never thought in a million years I would be having conversations like this now in the context that I am. But I'm so, so, so thrilled and excited that I'm doing this instead of doing the stuff that I thought I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Well put. Thanks uh, for sharing that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Brian. Cool. We'll definitely have to keep in contact on on the interwebs and stuff because this conversation could go <laughs> could go a long time in good ways. Sure. Zoe, yeah, you, I'd love to. Go do, you, do you have anything you want to plug, Zoe? Any uh, social media stuff? Uh, if you want to find me, um, I'm easiest to find on Instagram at queer ex pastor. Um, and if you uh, find me there, find someone named Zoe there. Uh, that's me. And I answer DMs. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll continue doing that until, uh, I do too many podcasts and then I'll go private and hide. (laughs) Pretty good plan. (laughs) Well, thank you for your time, Zoe, as always. Thank you, Zoe. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really good to meet you, Brian. Uh, thanks for introducing us, Caleb. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's all about, baby. Yeah. All right, my friends. Sleep well. Yes. Have a good evening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to our episode. Your support means the world to us. If you'd like to further support us, head over to our merch shop. We have shirts, hoodies, stickers, magnets, and more. All you have to do is go to thesacredcollective.threadless.com. That's the sacred collective dot threadless T H R E A D L E S S dot com. If you want to find out how to score some free merch, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. For as little as $5 a month, you can have access to some great discussions with fellow listeners and free merch while allowing us to put out great conversations. Just head over to patreon.com slash sacred MN. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash sacred MN to check out what contribution best fits you as well as the incentives we offer. If you haven't yet, 